From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Gator Tales is brought to you by UF Health, the official healthcare provider of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales, Gator Greats. I'm your host, Adam Schick. On our last episode, we explored how the Gators battled adversity late in the season and found their stride, riding a wave of momentum all the way to their first national championship. But now that business had been taken care of, everyone was eager to know what they planned to do next. This is MBK Goes B2B, Episode 4, Should We Stay or Should We Go Now? Thanks in large part to his star-making turn as the most outstanding player of the NCAA tournament, Joe Kim Noah was widely considered the top player eligible for the NBA draft. On top of the speculation regarding Florida's flashy leader, Al Horford and Corey Brewer were both projected lottery picks as well, so the sophomores had big decisions to make after the comedown from celebrating the title. While you would think these conversations had already been unfolding behind the scenes at some point during the season or at least the championship run, Noah insisted the outside noise never made it in. It was never spoke about, really. I mean, not not that I remember. Maybe it was, but I don't remember that. That wasn't an emphasis at all, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that it just showed how much fun we were having, you know? When you're playing on a team and everybody cares that much and everybody knows that you have a chance to win a championship and everybody's contributing like that, it's, it's rare, especially with so much agenda and money and you know so much money looking you know in the horizon Mm -hmm. i think that um we just didn't want we we knew that mentally going there it would hurt our chances you know and it's true right so many teams in college it's like yo, your mind's already out the door you know you're already you're thinking about that then yo ball's going up at at you know at 7 p.m that's the mindset all the time. So um, I, the, I think the, the best part about it is like nobody took that for granted mm-hmm. that first year. The joy that came into it, the joy of winning and being able to, to share that with campus and everybody on campus. The joy that we had, the bond that we had, like going to party after a win mm-hmm. and how much we, how much we appreciated that, be, doing that as a team and the camaraderie that it built, you know, just the way we did it. It's like, you know, we didn't want to mess that up. And that's why, that's why we were not, we didn't speak too much about the next level, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think we did more after the second championship because it was hard because it was, it was all year like that. It wasn't like it happened during tournament time. You know what I mean? Yeah. We had a whole year of, the expectations were bigger and, more just it was just all year it was it was constant memories are certainly prone to blurring over time which may explain why al horford remembers the discussions about the nba a bit differently you know joaquin uh, and i were roommates um on the road you know years later i found out he had a conversation with Corey as well but um, you know, I could tell that something was bothering him and that he wanted to talk about something. And I, and I never forget, we were um, in our hotel room. We just beat Georgetown. 
uh, that Sweet 16 game, and it was our day off, and we're just hanging in, the, in, in our hotel just, you know, watching TV. And he looked over at me, and he said, you know, like, what are you thinking? Uh, do you think you're going you're gonna to want to come out to go to the NBA next year? And I said, like, no, man, like, you know, I think, you know, I, I think we're having a lot of fun. Uh, no, I said, I'm having a lot of fun. Like, no, I want to, you know, I want to keep playing. And he just kind of nodded at me because he was, he nodded like in agreement. And I think he kind of felt he shared the sentiment that I know that at the time he was, you know, very highly touted and he was probably going to be the, the top pick in the draft. So then when we did beat Villanova and we were on our way through the press conference, they got us in a golf cart and it was Coach Donovan, Joaquin and myself. And Coach Donovan just said to us, he was like, hey, you know, you guys can do something really, really, really special. And, and is being able to win back to back championships. And this was, we were, we just made it to the final four. So we were in Minneapolis on our way to do a press conference. Coach Donovan, I feel like he already saw the, the potential and, and what could be from our group if, you know, he knew we were focused. If we stayed focused and we just stayed together, that this could happen. So but th those were two really solidifying points. And then once we won, you know, we were like, you know, we were just like on top of the world when we went back to Gainesville and we went to the White House and everything. And once we won, I think it was just pretty clear. Um, you know, for all of us, um, that we uh, that we wanted to come back. While the head coach introducing discussions about the next level with his own players during the tournament may seem counterintuitive, Billy Donovan had a specific method to his madness. Well, I knew that they were going to get hit by a lot of different people, and the one thing I've always admired and respected, not only about them, about their families, is. Because their dads were pro athletes, I think they could talk to them about what it was like to be a pro and what it was like to go to work. And I think their families talked to them a lot about, you know, you may not ever in the rest of your life get a chance to play on a team like this. And, you know, being a pro athlete is everybody's dream and goal. But once you get there, it's a little bit different. And I basically just said to Al, you know, because we were obviously young. I just said in the golf cart to those guys, I said, you know, you guys got a chance to do this again. And that's the decision you guys are going to have to make. You know, do you want this kind of challenge again? And I said, you can do it. It would be unbelievable, you know, to go through this again and to deal with what you're going to have to deal with. And you guys get a chance to play with one another again. And it was probably a five minute conversation. It wasn't like I was pressuring them or anything like that. It was just more of a conversation. And I had been around enough with Donnell Harvey and Mike Miller and Kwame Brown and, you know, guys putting their name in the draft, taking it back out. So I, I knew they had to make decisions that were best for themselves. Corey's father was dealing with some health issues there. So I never really got in the way, but they just wanted to play with each other. And I think the other part of it, too, was because of the bond that was formed with the four of them, they knew that Torian couldn't leave and they knew Lee Humphrey couldn't leave. And I think that they were a little bit worried about if they left, what would happen to their careers? You know, what would happen to those guys? And Chris Richard as well. And they were such a close-knit group that they were almost like, you know what? Like, we need to give this one more year to help these guys. And you know what? It'd be cool to try to win back-to-back -back championships. And there was a lot of things that I think incentivized them to stay. Although it was becoming clear that the O4s wanted to stay, there was still the unavoidable elephant in the room, money. Millions of dollars hung in the balance with these decisions, and while Noah and Horford came from well-to-do families where money wasn't a driving factor, 
Corey Brewer came from much more modest means, putting the ball largely in his court. Uh, it was tough decision. Um, I think we all end up going home. I went home, talked to my dad, my mom. You know, I was probably one I needed to go financially. I needed to go to the NBA probably more than anybody. But um, my dad basically told me that him and my mom both, they lived their lives. My parents are older. They were probably 60-something at the time. Because, um, yeah, hold on. my mom was 43 when she had me. So, yeah, I've been 18, 20. Yeah, they were in their 60s. So they were like, we lived our life. Like, you don't go, you don't do anything for us. We've been doing this without being in the NBA our, our whole life. What's another year going to wait? So, for me, I was having too much fun. I wanted to go back, but. Also, I knew if Joe left or Al left, I was going to leave. It was We all were coming back and we all were leaving. And it was kind of also, when we got back to campus, it, it would have been hard to leave without touring. You know, I think it, he was like a, another factor that it was all in our heads. Like, dang, if we leave, it's, what about touring? We're going to leave him here by ourselves. <laughs> like, we came in together. We're going to leave together. And, you know, we sat down and we kind of basically – I felt like Joe was down. He was with it when, when I was like, I want to come back. I think Joe was like, yeah. Was, I don't know. Al was kind of on the fence, but <laughs> eventually Al, Al, Al made, we all made the decision to come back. Torian Green had an outstanding sophomore season as the Gators' floor general, but he didn't appear on most analysts' draft boards, putting him in a bit of an odd position. After that year, I knew that, you know, Corey – and Al had a chance to be top 10 picks, and I knew Joe had a chance to be the number one pick. But for me, I knew I was going back for sure because, you know, I just, you know, my draft stock wasn't there. So, you know, leading up to that, you know, I know Joe was going through a lot, you know, because he had a chance to be the number one pick. So he had a lot to think about, obviously. And, um, you know, Corey and Al the same. But, you know, I think right after, you know, we sat down and talked, and he was like, yo, what do you want to do? Like, da 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 and, you know, they kind of bumped heads off each other. They was kind of just speaking to it about each other. And then they came to the decision. And it was like, all right, we're coming back. He's like, yo, we can't, we can't leave. You know, a lot of the reason why, because they didn't want to leave me. You know what I'm saying? We came in together. And, you know, it was like, yo, we're going to come back. We're going to try to win another one. Yeah, we out. <laughs> <laughs> did that surprise you? I mean, did you think that one of them was going to go? Or did you think it was either everyone or, or no one? It surprised me just off the fact that, you know, Joe had a chance to be the number one pick and, and they both had a chance to be top 10 picks. So it surprised me that they didn't do it off that, but it didn't surprise me at all that they decided to come back just off of what, you know, I knew that they loved playing with our teammates and, and loved playing for Florida and loved playing for Coach Donovan. So that didn't surprise me at all that, you know, they ultimately decided to come back another year. And, then you know, at the same time, they didn't want to leave me out there, you know, by myself because you know we all had that mentality that you know we came in together you know so we're gonna leave together so and at the same time coach donovan talked to us about you know making history like you know there's only one other team to do it and we have a great chance if we all come back to you know god forbid injury and all that stuff you know we had another chance to to do it the honorary for lee humphrey also wasn't generating nba talk so he was in an even stranger position as speculation mounted about what would become of Florida's starting five. Yeah, I remember being curious on what they're going to do and not knowing. But at the same time, I mean, when I think back about it, I don't, I don't know. I never really thought the guys were going to leave. Um, I knew it was a possibility, but 
Uh, I always felt like we're going to be a team for one more year. Uh, I, I don't really don't know how I would have felt if they um, if they left. Obviously, it would have been uh, a big difference. But I don't know. I, I never really felt like they were going to, although I know that it was an option. Humphrey's inkling was correct, and in a rare victory, the love of playing together and for each other outweighed dollar signs. It was understood. I think. I think it's more. Somebody probably said it, but we didn't even have to say it. I think it was understood. We all knew if, if one was going, we all was going. If one was staying, we were always staying. It wasn't that hard. I just, it, it wasn't hard. But for me, it was that summer I went back. I went to Corey's house in Portland. And uh, when Corey was like, I'm coming back, you know, Horfi was like, I'm coming back. And then I was like, well, I'm not leaving my guys. Like, there's no way I'm leaving what they're gonna have fun without me like no way I'm not. that's that's not happening so you know i look i realize now how crazy it was but it's also the thing that because i don't know if i i don't know if i would tell my kid to do that you know i would tell my kid more like just follow your heart mm-hmm. you know follow your heart do what you feel is right i would not give him any opinions on it you know mm-hmm. but I learned a lot from in that in that trend because I learned a lot about expectations and it, you know and I learned that's that's a big deal in in when you're you know you're you're playing basketball you know in such a public in such a public way mm-hmm. but um for me it was it was not it wasn't even a question like when Corey and Al were like I'm coming back and you know they had a chance we all had the chance to make make a lot of money to be able to do something that was that special you know, it is that was really special. You know, there's not a lot of people who turn down millions of dollars for to come back because we love playing with each other and we knew that we had a special group. That's something that it that says everything. You know, actions speak louder than words and you know, we can talk about it, but the truth is we did that. You know, that happened and th- that's that's very, very that's a very, very unique story we have there with that. You know, we went into coach's office, uh, Corey, Joaquin, and myself, and um, and you know, and we told them that you know that we wanted to go, that we wanted to come back and play one more year. With the decision made, the O4s had to choose how to break the news to an anxious fan base and a long line of salivating NBA GMs. True to form, they cooked up a bit for the championship celebration at the O Dome held shortly after their return from Indianapolis. It's, it's been a great two years here for, for me and Joe and Corey. We obviously had a lot of fun um, being a Gator, being a part of this team, and doing big things for University of Florida. Um, we've won a national championship. We've won two SEC championships. Uh, honestly, we've, we've done some great things here, and I feel like we accomplished everything we needed to. Hold on, 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 hold on. Hold on here. What, what, what do you guys want us to do? So, 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 you, so you, want, you, want, you want us to, to play here next year? Albert's hype. Albert's hype. Hey. Can you guys do it again, please? Well, let it be done, man. 
We back, baby. We back, baby. We back. We back. Go, baby. Let's go, baby. We back. The O4s were indeed coming back, and they assumed everyone else around them would be too. But after 10 years of helping Donovan build Florida from a stagnant program to a national champion, assistant coach Anthony Grant's stock was rising, especially since he was instrumental in recruiting many of the stars who took Florida to the top. There were a couple jobs um, throughout my time before that that uh, I talked with you know, some different athletic directors about. But, you know, just being at Florida, being with Billy, uh, I valued the relationship, um, you know, outside of just basketball, you know, my, for my family, you know, and, and what we what we shared with uh, with that staff. It was like a family that they were an extension of our family, you know, so so I felt like we were in a great situation. And like everybody else, certainly I wanted to be a head coach, but I felt like if it didn't fit what I felt like was a, a, a great opportunity. I was in no hurry, you know, to leave. And, and, you know, I think some of it is, was, was on me. Some of it was actually on athletic directors and other universities that didn't feel like I was, I was what they were looking for. So uh, for me, it was about being at, at a place that I valued the people that I had a chance to work with on a daily basis. And then also, you know, trying to, achieve the goal that we set out to achieve, you know, and, and just knowing, knowing how hard Billy worked and what he put into it and wanting to be a part of what we felt like we, we were working toward. And, and that was the whole goal to put together a championship, championship team, you know, so, so it was fortunate to be able to, to, to do that. And it was, it was uh, after we won it that, that in 2006, and those guys all said, you know, Hey, I'm, we're coming back. I'm like, cool. This is great. <laughs> yeah, we're going with it again. You know, and uh, Billy comes to me and, and uh, says that he had just gotten off the phone with the athletic director of VCU. And, uh, you know, he told the guy, listen, because at that, that, that spring, there was a couple of jobs that I had, uh, I had talked to a couple of people about, uh, a couple of ADs about, and, uh, you know, just didn't feel like it was the right fit. So I, I, I turned down a couple of different jobs there that, that spring after we'd won it and I was content to come back. I was, I was good. And then he, you know, he talked to me about the situation and basically it was, you know, listen, Billy, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I don't, I don't want to go through another interviewing process. I'm, I'm, you know, we just finished the season. I'm worn out. He's like, no, 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 no. He, he, he wants to hire you. And I was like, okay. And so, you know, you do your homework and you do your research and, you know, Dr. Sander was the AD at VCU at the time. And, um, he's still a guy I'm very close to to this day, just a, a really good man. And and so we talked and uh, we got a chance to meet and it just seemed like it was a, a great opportunity. My, I had a brother that actually lived in Richmond at the time with his family. You know, we hadn't been close to each other, obviously, since he left. And so getting a chance to get reunited with him and, and you know, I felt like uh, the situation there was one that we could build and they had good talent, had a good good nucleus, good, good structure, good, good leadership in place. There were a lot of things that a lot of boxes were checked that made it, uh, you know, made it make sense. The timing of the move was inopportune to say the least. And as Donovan recalls, it created a lot of discord within the team that was otherwise defined by its unity. Well, it was a huge blow up and I probably at looking back on it, I probably should have handled it differently. So what happened was Anthony had been with me for, I don't know, 
gosh, 13 years, maybe 14 years. Wow. And, you know, Anthony never looked for a head coaching job. He never pursued anything. He always stayed extremely loyal and humble and just worked. And basically Norwood Teague, the athletic director of DCU, basically called me and told me that Anthony was the only player person they were looking at and they wanted to hire him and the job was his. And he came in and he met with them and Anthony felt very, very good about the situation. And Anthony said that he was going to take the job. So at that time, the date to put your name in the draft had basically come and gone. So those guys now are back. They can't leave. Mm -hmm. The date had passed by. So Anthony told me, that he wanted to address the team about leaving. And I told him, sure, that'd be fine. And when he told him, Joe Kim and Al spoke up and they were both really upset. And they just basically said to Anthony that this is wrong, that we all bypassed opportunities to go to the NBA, to come back to do this. We're a family. We need to do it together. And you need to wait and take a job at some other time. Mm -hmm. And I tried to explain to those guys that, listen, every year the NBA draft takes place. Okay. So you have a draft. I said, you know, it's not every year that a coach gets an opportunity to be a head coach. And, you know, Joe was like, well, we should have talked about this before. I said, well, Joe, it didn't happen before the, the, the date. This, this just came up after it. I, I can't, you know, predict when somebody's going to call on one of our assistants. Mm -hmm. So they didn't want to hear it. They did not want to hear it. And Anthony, to speak into his character, after it happened, I grabbed Anthony. Anthony came to me and said, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not going. I'm, I'm telling the AD at BCU I'm staying. I'm like, Anthony, you can't stay. You want to do this? He said, I, I can't do that to these guys. It was tough. It was tough, obviously, but to, to say, hey, listen, you know, I think this is a, a great opportunity and, and I'm going to do it. So... I didn't expect, you know, the reaction. And uh, I remember telling my wife, you know, hey, I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not I'm not going to do this. And I called Billy to say, hey, listen, you know, Billy, I'm, I'm just going to I'm not going to do this. You know, and so he, you know, I think the next day I was supposed to go do a press conference. And he said, are you out of your mind? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not letting you do that. No, he 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 basically basically kicked me out. <laughs> so, you know, I, I was, it was, it was tough. It, it was hard, you know, just, uh, you know, you get so close to those guys and, you know, you had a special group like that and the timing's never right. So I tell, you know, I tell young, young coaches all the time, you know, it's never going to be your timing in terms of when opportunities present themselves. Um, and so you have to know ahead of time what it is that you're looking for and what's, what's right for you, you know, as much as you can, you know, cause time, timing, the timing in these situations never, it's never your timing. So I grabbed Horford and I grabbed Noah and I said, what is the real problem? He's like, listen, we love him. He's the one that's worked with us. He's helped develop us. He's done this, this, and this. I said, listen, I will take over for him. Okay. You guys have my word that I'll be the one that will spend the time with you guys and I'll take it over. And I think once they felt like that I was going to be maybe a little bit more hands on with them, not that I wasn't, but like I was going to handle all their individual stuff. I think that maybe put them a little bit at ease that, OK, you know, Billy's going to be there and he's going to be down there spending the time because Anthony spent an enormous amount of time with those guys because they had a great work ethic. And, you know, like you're in practice and I would say, OK, hey, 
Chris Richard, Joe Kim, Al, you know, even later on, Maurice Spates, you guys are down there with Anthony working out, right? And I may jump in there or I may take a group on a different court, but like I wasn't with them all the time. Mm -hmm. So, but when they came back, it was really, really good because I had Maurice Spates. We had some Chris Richard. We had a lot of big guys and it probably was good that I was with those guys the whole entire time. So I think that maybe helped out a little bit, but I don't think it really softened the blow of how they felt about Anthony leaving. The 4 surely knew how difficult going back-to-back would be without any changes, and it started the offseason on a sour note as they began coming to terms with the challenges ahead. It was hard. It was hard uh, because first we, we lose Anthony Grant, who was like, you know, a, a real presence, a real father presence in the locker room for us, you know, I mean, highs, lows, like, I, I, I mean, it, it's one of the things that losing to Tennessee and crying with Coach Grant, like crying, like full on grown men crying after a, a, a regular season loss, you know, he leaves for a, 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 a new job a new opportunity and that was that was hard because we were like you know we're making sacrifices and you're going you know but then we realized that he has to do what's best for his family and this is the decision we made and coach donovan really really took it on himself you know to make sure that tell you guys guys i'm taking it upon myself if you guys want to do individual i'm doing your individuals first of all for your head coach to say i'm doing your individuals I'm getting goosebumps, like just, you know, I'm getting goosebumps. He took it on himself. He made sure that no matter what, we were going to be right. It wasn't big because he recruited recruited us. He recruited me. I know he recruited Al, I think. He recruited, he had a little bit to do with all of our recruitment. You know, we kind of looked up to him along with Coach Diamond as like a father figure for, for us while we were there. And even though Coach Grant was quiet, like we called him Batman. (laughs) because <laughs> one he's like swole like he looks young like you know he's a good looking guy and we would see him running on campus like we would be driving and we'll see him you know just doing a jog around campus like hey there goes coach grant looking like batman <laughs> but um you know it was big because even though he really didn't say much like when he did speak like his voice was heard and you know, losing him was big just off the strength that he recruited us and we all had a great relationship with him, but like it was still love. Donovan brought in Lewis Preston to fill the vacancy on his staff. And once that was settled, the tall task of laying the groundwork for the repeat campaign began. Well, I was excited about it because I felt like, one, it was going to be an incredible challenge for our team. We were going to get everybody's best shot. And I felt like I was going to learn a lot. So what I basically did is I formulated when those guys all decided to come back, I basically formulated a a sheet of paper and the top of the paper said distractions. And it was all about like what I thought could get in the way of our team. And I kind of like listed all these things, you know, and, and, and I was part of the list as well, you know? Um, and, And what I mean by that is the university of Florida had come to me on a contract extension And I went through this with Mike Miller in 2000. You know, we lost to Michigan State in the national championship game. And Mike Miller was contemplating whether to leave or stay. And the administration, Jeremy, came to me and offered me a contract. And I took it. And there was a lot of people around Mike Miller that were talking to him that, you know, your head coach is capitalizing on a success. 
why shouldn't you? Mm-hmm. And it was really eye-opening to me. So I told Jeremy that I was not doing anything contractually because I didn't think it was right or fair at that time based on what those guys were giving up financially. And I also like talked about, you know, who gets more credit? A guy's going to be playing for their draft status. You know, can we, you know, work at a level that we don't feel like we have all the answers, but we can stay humble in terms of what it takes to win? So I went through like all these things that I listed. And then what I did is I made phone calls and there were so many people that were so gracious with their time. So I went down and spent the day with Pat Riley Hmm. and I talked to him about them repeating. I went and spent time with Bill Belichick and talked about them repeating. I spent a lot of time with Mary Wise a little bit, you know, because she had a team that lost in a national championship game, a, a match, and they had a whole team coming back and they got knocked out early. And she basically shared with me a lot of different things that she learned through that. Uh, the thing that was most eye-opening is, you know, in talking to Pat Riley and Bill Belichick, and then obviously I, I leaned heavily on Coach Patino as well, um, just talking to them. I would say that Bill Belichick and Pat Riley are very, very much – they're very, very similar. They just go about it differently. If you look at, um, I think, Bill Belichick, it's always improvement, next game, this, this. They never talk about Super Bowl. You know, Pat Riley, they're, they're constantly talking about championships, you know, championship standard, getting to a cha- – you know, they talk – so it's just they're, – they're both after the same goal, but they go about doing it differently. And I thought that was really unique and eye-opening, and it made me realize that I had to go through this process as me. Like I couldn't go through it as somebody else. But I could take the challenges and the things that I was going to face and at least try to get ahead of it and deal with uh, our team on it. I also really spent a lot of time with Harry Edwards who was a sports psychologist, sociologist at the University of Cal Berkeley. And he was a part of the 49ers when they had won all those Super Bowls with Bill Walsh. He had gotten up and spoken to our team quite a bit. Uh, Bill Belichick came and spoke to our team. So a lot of people gave me a lot of time and I learned an awful lot, you know, going through it. Coach Donovan brought in a lot of different outside speakers that I thought made uh, a big impact. Uh, Bill Belichick was great. Uh, Harry Edwards started the season uh, really with first talk, first kind of uh, motivational speaker or, or someone to focus your attention in the second year. But I really think what was most effective to me was just Coach Donovan and the coaching staff as a whole, their consistency um, and their dedication, really. I mean, like the talk that we had with Adrian Moss or um, like the talks we would have after – a pregame meal the night before a game, um, just their their openness and honesty and willingness to show where we could do better um, in winning and in losing. I, I think that was the biggest difference. I mean, it, it was great all the all the different things that Coach Donovan did. I mean, one year we had a, a ex marine that came in and talked to us. My freshman year, Isaiah Thomas spent some time with us. Um, Jerry West spoke to us. We had, I mean, some unbelievable speakers that Coach Donovan had brought in people that, that I was, you know, Jerry West. I, I never thought I'd even see Jerry West. <laughs> you saw him in the logo, but that was it. <laughs> that's, that's right, the logo. That's all I thought. While Donovan was focused on doing everything possible to push the right buttons for the squad, he was cautioned against over-tinkering through conversations with Florida's similarly legendary volleyball coach. The most eye-opening thing during that time for me as a coach was and it kind of circled back to what Mary Wise said. Mary Wise told me that 
their attitude was, okay, we're going to leave no stone unturned. We're going to work harder. We're going to do more. And I think she worried about, did I take the fun out of it for them? Did I take the fun out of it for them? Mm -hmm. And did they really enjoy it? And uh, as they were pursuing to try to win a national championship with this team that was coming back, uh, she talked about the challenges that she had by maybe trying to do too much. So we had set up four years prior to this a trip to Canada over Labor Day weekend, which enabled us to practice 10 days. So I generally give the guys off summer A just to give them a break after school's all within May. And then everybody comes back at the end of June and, you know, they'll be in there working out, going to summer school, lifting, doing those kind of things. And then they get about a week or 10 days at the end of summer B and they get a chance to go home before they come back for the fall semester. Well, since we were taking this trip, we got 10 days of practice starting in August. So I talked to Joe, Kim, Al, Corey, and Torian, and they came to me and said they didn't want to go. And I'm like, what? I said, why do you want to? No, no, it's getting into our summer and we need a break and all. I said, listen, you guys just had eight weeks off. <laughs> okay. Like, I mean, how much more time? We got to get back. We got to get working. You guys have got to start to get relationship. out. You haven't seen each other. You guys have all been separated. And the truth finally came out. They're like, I know and we know what's getting ready to happen. I said, what's that? He said, you're going to practice this two to three hours every day and it's going to be miserable. And I'm like, okay. I said, you know what? So like I, I was really listening to them I, and I kind of reflected back to what Mary Wise said. I said, okay, how about we practice an hour a day? They're like, that's never happening. No way. That's not happening. You keep, I said, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do 15 minutes of offense, 15 minutes of defense, 15 minutes of our press. And then we're going to do 15 minutes of special situations. I said, but here's the thing. I'll make it four 15-minute segments. But if it's not at the standard that we all agree upon, then we're going to be in there longer. And they took ownership of it. And it was a great learning experience for me because what I started to do was almost like every day I would bring the four of them up there and, and Lee Humphrey as well. And I'd say, listen, here's what we're doing today in practice. This is what needs to get done. I'd be like, Al, Joe, you guys need to carry the message to the team. And this is the standard. Now, if you guys are not going to like play to this standard, then forget about it. Now, what ended up happening, Adam, with these guys, the minute anything got competitive, it just got over the top mm -hmm. because they were so competitive. So the minute we kept score, like they hated drills. But if you played competitively, it just turned into these guys just physically and verbally going after each other. In, in a good, healthy way. It wasn't mm -hmm. like, but it got distracting sometimes on, on what we were doing. So like, I would tell them like, is, is this good enough? And they were honest and they'd be like, no, it's not. And I said, we're doing it over. I said, I got the practice here for an hour, hour and 15 minutes, but you can stay in here as long as you want to stay in. I got all the time. <laughs> and you know what? Like I give them credit. They understood how to get themselves ready for practice. They understood, you know, what needed to get accomplished and done for the day. And they did a great job with that. I think it was a good time to regroup and refocus because if you went at the time when you took those trips, you got kind of an early head start to the season and you got your first, you know, 10 days of practice or whatever it was kind of out of the way. And those are the, the days where it's like, okay, let's set the tone on defense. Let's go over the schemes again. Let's go over what we want to do on offense, kind of the basic stuff, and then really get after it, um, get the competitive juices flowing and figure out exactly what you need to do to compete at a certain level. So I, I think it did that for us uh, from a practice standpoint. Uh, the other thing 
that I, that I remember too about the trip is that two years before we did all of this same practice and we were supposed to go to the Bahamas and it's the year when all the hurricanes came up through Florida. I think there was four Fridays in a row where we missed school. Uh, and so we didn't get to go to the Atlantis in the Bahamas and instead we get to go to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> That's an even trade, right? It's an even trade. You probably couldn't even tell the difference between the two. <laughs> we did get to see Niagara Falls, though. Okay, that's cool. You got something out of the deal, right? Yeah, we got something out of it. Fans rarely ever get to see a team practice, but as most champions will attest, that's where greatness is born. What stands out to me even more is the way that we could start a practice with the intensity that we needed. Uh, I played on a lot of teams uh, since uh, the championships overseas professionally uh, in the D-League one year. And it's very difficult for a team to come into practice with the focus that they need and be able to turn it on quickly. And and I and Coach was, uh, he did exactly what he said, uh, especially that second year. I mean, we had shorter practices, but they were intense and everyone was focused. Uh, we started practice with what we call peer pressure drills, and you'd have to do two or three drills perfectly before you could ever start practice. And most days we would do those drills perfectly the first or second time. Um, very rarely did we have to do those drills over to get out of them, which is difficult for a team to do because to get all the guys on one page and focused, uh, it, it, there's always, you know, somebody's having a bad day, somebody's not, you know, somebody has trouble at the start of practice, just th that personality wise, that's, that's how most teams are. But for some reason, uh, we weren't and, and the guys are really good about rallying each other to make sure we were all ready. Uh, I mean, if you, if you went to a practice, um, I think we had a, a bunch of different leaders who could step up and be vocal at, at any time. Uh, we didn't rely on one person to be that vocal leader at, uh, for for all situations. I mean, we really rallied, rallied around each other as a team. And I think it showed in the way we played because we practiced really the way that we played or, or harder than we played. Uh, and it translated to the game. We, we, were, we were typically pretty sharp. I mean, obviously we had games where we weren't at our best or, or could have been better. But, but for the most part, better than any team I've ever been on, we were, we were consistent in the way that we played. Countless teams try and fail to repeat every year in every sport, often because the pressure simply becomes too great and cracks start to form. Given the same starting five was returning and looking to make history, it took very skillful maneuvering from Donovan and his staff to set the right tone. Coach Donovan did a great job preparing us. Like He told us that before the season even started, even before like we did preseason workouts, he was like, yo, like you guys are going to get everybody's best shot Like from the preseason games to like from playing the NAIA preseason games, Division two schools, to all the big teams. Like, you guys are getting to get everybody's best shot, so you got to expect that and be ready. And, you know, we understood that, you know, we had everybody coming back and that we were going to get everybody's best shot. So that just made us even more on those, and, and we accepted that challenge and looked up to that challenge, too. Coach did a great job. First of all, he, he took the pressure off of us uh, from the very beginning, in a way. He said, listen, you know, you guys are not defending anything. You know, you guys already won that national championship. That's over with. You know, you guys don't have to feel that pressure, number one. And, you know, he talked to us about us not being the hunted, that we're still, you know, going out there fighting and competing. And we, and we have, like, that hunter mentality. Um, that was one of the things that, you know, the coach always talked about. 
And, you know, it, it was, it was that. And then, you know, the combination of, you know, enjoying, you know, the, the process and the season. And, and I think he laid that foundation. And I think that was, that was really good for us. Like those two references that he made um, about not being hunted and um, that we already won and we're not defending anything. I, you know, I thought that was good for us. While each individual in the locker room knew they had a heavy burden to carry entering the season, it was evident Joe Kim Noah would shoulder the majority of the load, with fans, agitators, and everyone in between narrowing their focus on the budding star and lightning rod. Just like you said, we face a lot of expectations, and uh, I think it was a lot of them more than anybody were, were on me. You know, we all had, we had team expectations and all that, but I think that my expectations were also a little bit they were just a little bit they were too much you Mm -hmm. know so it was just like whatever I did wasn't good enough you know so it was uh I had to you know manage that but it was always easy for me to you know I was like I knew I had the best group and I knew I was going to be competitive anyway because we had we had the best our team was nasty Mm -hmm. like as much as people wanted to make it about me and my shenanigans we, we we managed because of the the bond that we had and like all the coming back to school and all those things the, those those bonds were things that you know we we went through a lot as mm-hmm. as a team as a group but we were able to overcome because we knew how much we we put we put in we put in we put in the work you know On our next show, the Gators begin feeling the heat as the season gets underway and their outlandish leader becomes one of the most divisive figures in college sports. Until then, I'm Adam Schick, giving a special thanks to production assistant Eli Rosen and to all of you for tuning in to this latest installment of Gator Tales, Gator Greats.